0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.
1: Hello and welcome to my first show. I'm Hannah Wilson and tonight I'm going to be talking about the CPD bug. Have you got it? Um, And is it the answer to teacher retention and keeping people engaged in teaching? Hello, and welcome to my first show. Um, I thought I'd start with a quote. So this one's by um, Dillian Williams. Um, if we create a culture where every teacher believes and they need to improve, not because they are not good enough, but because they can be better. There can be no limit to what we can achieve. And I very much feel that tonight on my first show. I feel slight imposter syndrome uh, being here, even though um, I love education. And I've very much love CPD and talking about it Um, but I feel like there's never enough, there's never a limit to the amount of CPD that you can do to learn how to be a better teacher and how to improve as a teacher and develop our craft per se. I think for me it's um, really important. So um, a bit of background about myself, I am an, an art teacher and I run an art and DT department, but I'm also national subject lead for my trust. So I um, have 46 schools across the trust that I help and support, and I run some of the CPD for those. So we meet every half term and have online sessions um, for schools to attend um, where they can get kind of uh, time with subject experts, but also we can share our practice. And it's nice because we're teachers from all kinds of different backgrounds from lots of different types of schools and we're able to offer experience and support to each other i'm also part of um, a network for art teachers so i'm in east anglia so the network of east anglian art teachers and it's nice to be able to again mix with all other teachers across um our region and some of those it started originally in person and i loved attending these and seeing these and then in COVID, they went online um, and it was really Um, exciting to see it spread so um, seeing teachers from all over the country and last week they had a session on um, a Sunday which was teaching in the now six and we even had people uh, tune in from China so it's really nice to see that CPD has kind of spread and for me the idea of it going online um, is super exciting because I can access way more um, from being stuck in the middle of the remote countryside and getting places was a lot more difficult. So for me going online and having CPD at the kind of end of a computer is, is really ideal for being able to develop them. And I love kind of watching my list as I write down everything I've done throughout the year grow. Um, some people may say it's a little bit extreme. Um, I finished my MPQ in leading teaching. Um, I'm currently doing my um, apprenticeship level seven in senior leadership. Uh, which will change into, um, has the opportunity to extend into a master's at the end. So um, I have lots of people in my life that inspire me. Um, I know is listening. So she um, is very much similar teacher to me. We love kind of going and doing these courses and engaging and learning about learning and having that chat with other people. And I guess that's the type of people that are gonna to listen to this. You are very much interested in kind of learning about learning and developing that. And I think it is interesting in the types of teachers that engage in CPD. Some people will see kind of inset and CPD as this mandatory thing where we got told something and then we've got to try and add to our workload. I think a lot of... um, cpd needs to be in terms of internally with schools it needs to be planned out and considered and not add to workload it should um be adapted and fit in in order to be successful but the teachers that kind of do additional cpd and the fact that they're bringing that to the table is that something that needs to be shared more across all staff because i i know certainly that a lot of teachers might not necessarily know what other teachers are doing in the school and um it's interesting to find out what other people are doing and having those conversations and talking about it um is really interesting but getting those people to buy in so how do we get people to buy into cpd is it something that actually we need to embed much earlier on into people's um teaching careers do we need to get them to really engage in that or do we actually need to reduce time and give people far more time to be able to go and do that i know a lot of people struggle to get time out of school to be able to go attend things or you're having to give up your uh, evenings or your weekends to be able to attend the cpd so that's a very very tricky balance because you're asking people to give up their own time their family time and just to be able to do something that they enjoy and hopefully we'll get something out of it and the children will benefit too so is it that actually we need to kind of balance it out um, as teachers do schools need to respect that and perhaps give time back if people um, attend things in their own time obviously if i was to do that i'd gain a lot of time because i <laughs> attend a lot of things but i think it is that balance of needing to get people into it and i think a lot some schools will like dedicate a certain amount of time but i think um, we should certainly look especially in the newer teachers in kind of getting them to engage and also it's that kind of interaction. It's having those other people to speak to, the other people who are going through similar experiences or somebody else that's just had a little bit more experience than them to be able to turn to and have support. Or maybe it's that one idea that suddenly kind of gives you the oomph to try something new or, or is the little gap that's missing in getting the learning to work and getting it to stick and, and work. Um, so I think it's very much... That I've already embedded it in my trainee student this year she's already attending multiple CPDs on the side and I think it is very much that the more you learn the more enthusiastic you are about learning and also it keeps it fresh like although I've written my curriculum five years ago I never ever teach it the same every year I teach it differently every year it's something different and I like kind of developing it and changing it and tweaking based on what i've gone and learned what have i gone and discovered and found out that i can apply to mine whether that be an adam boxer uh, retrieval practice like something that people wouldn't necessarily think would fit into um an art curriculum i will squeeze it in there no matter what enriching text i will squeeze that in so anything that even people like think that don't necessarily fit within the arts I will I like the challenge of finding somewhere for a CPD that I've attended to squeeze in and fit it within my curriculum and I think that's that's the thing we shouldn't necessarily think of CPD as being narrowed and in only for specific subjects and that CPD should be thought of as a as a large thing and that it could be developed and twisted into any subject and we've got to think about that and that think about how the science works for the kids and how we can develop that for our own subjects there's also obviously the the people that have been in the game a long time i feel like i'm getting to that point and um i think that there is very much the people that think oh they've heard it all done it all it's just the same trend coming back around with a different name and i think those, but there are those elements to it. But I do think that even it refreshed, like Rosenthal coming around again, I think it can still um, apply and still add something to somebody's teaching. And I think it's important that that we don't kind of have that stagnant mindset and that we do keep developing and learning. Or maybe those people need to be more into developing and showing and sharing in order to help the newer teachers and develop them. And I do think that kind of partnership of the What new teachers bring in and the new way that people are trained and taught to learn is important to kind of develop the two together um so i open it up to you guys if you want to add in a question or uh, talk about how much you love cpd and and i think that it's what makes you engage with it what makes you think that you um enjoy what is it that you enjoy about CPD and engaging in learning about learning. Hello, can you hear me? Hi, can you hear me? I
2: can. Hi, I'm Edwina, Um, I'm an assistant head at a um, small rural secondary school uh, in Norfolk, um, uh, and I guess like just listening to what you're saying and the, the kind of different relationships that people have um, and sort of responses people have to CPD, uh, I was listening to the Ofsted's um, podcast the other day and, and they were sort of saying how whilst CPD is something that some people love to be absorbed in and be involved in and that's something that they really revel in and add to their practice, there are some people that don't want to commit kind of extra time to it and in an ideal world it should be something that people can access in their working week but have the opportunity to do more of if they want to and like one of the guys was kind of saying the ideal department meeting was would be that you would sort of send out an article or a podcast or something like that prior to the meeting and then but without a kind of expectation that people would listen to it beforehand. And then that's what you would do for the first sort of 15 minutes of the meeting. Um, and I love that idea. But then realistically, when it comes to meetings, there's always so limited time and so much to do that. I think that's that's the problem with it. But I, I, I think that's the, the ideal world, isn't it? For, for, for me, that seems like the ideal world where everybody's exposed to the knowledge regularly but people whose time is limited you know for whatever reasons or aren't in that sort of space to engage outside of their working week um are still on a sort of disadvantage because because of you know that because of their lives I guess um I was reading an article by Bira who are the uh, if you haven't, the British Educational Research Association, I think, um, and they were saying that there's this big focus of schools to kind of be research informed and research led, but in reality, um, in reality, very sort of quite few teachers are actually research informed or research led, and and that is because they don't have they don't have time to kind of find the information. So they were saying. In a way, you want the sort of leaders or the core kind of champions to to find the information and disseminate it so that everybody has access to it, I think. But I definitely feel like you. I feel like the more I read, the more I learn, the more I kind of am exposed to, the more passionate I am about it. And, And I guess it's about, somehow it's about having an awareness of everybody's different relationship, I guess, I don't know.
1: I think it's that, isn't it? It's getting people to see the benefits early on to be able to have that continuation of wanting to do it throughout their career. If you can kind of get them to see that actually there is a benefit. And I do think that the more CPD you do and the more you develop your, your craft, the more experienced you become and more confident you become and easier teaching becomes for you. And I think it's that idea that you can... Um, become a better teacher through it but also it will make your life easier in the long run if, if you can kind of if the children are learning and engaging and recalling better then it will kind of um, help them in terms of how they're learning so I think it's getting people to see the benefit of it as well but it's very much it is that kind of time constraint isn't it it's that I think if if but is it if if we were to give everybody the equivalent of an extra day or one extra ppa a week to do some extra learning how many of the teaching staff do you think would actually use that or would it be like oh no i'll just do some more marking i just i'll just catch up on that how many of your staff do you think would actually use that hour of cpd to actually do cpd in it
2: yeah i think that's where so I think lots of schools are doing that and that's um, and sort of building it into the, the working week. And I think that's really good. But I think you're right. I think it has to be it has to be led time because otherwise I, I think otherwise things get in the way. But also it's, it is about finding the right the right things to look at. And I think that in itself exposure to the to the sort of the, the relevant and the right information is is what makes. CPD interesting um, and and feeling like it's relevant and feeling like it's going to change something that you're doing. Um, There's a school in in Norfolk that massively improved their results uh, last year. I can't remember the exact path that it had percentage wise but huge results and I, and, I, and I contacted them because they were rural and they were similar to us and I said, you know, <laughs> what did you do? Um, And they said lots, they said actually, they said lots of things and you can't really kind of obviously just kind of pinpoint one thing. But one of the things they did do is they um, provide, I think they doubled the amount of PPA time that staff had in a week and they built in CPD, designated CPD time. Um, And in reality, I think we probably all know that if we had more time to prepare our lessons and more time to think about our lessons in terms of what we're learning about what works a teaching and learning would be better wouldn't it
1: <laughs> yeah see when i <laughs> when i um started at um a, i was at a school um with inspiration trust and it was a brand new school so i joined in the second year um so we were setting up the curriculum but they had the idea of a longer day so the day was till 5 30 every day but you got far more ppa and the idea is the kids did the homework in school and then they would go home but it it did mean that we had far more prep time and i do feel like the school was very much um cpd based and we were kind of um encouraged to do that and there were lots of strategies and things that we did as a whole school but also as individuals that we were doing i do think that perhaps whether that's something that schools need to look at, whether they need to look at what their priorities are for the year and offer kind of a range of CPDs, both in school, but offer a list of opportunities for staff to attend things outside of school that would um, support that and help that and promote that, whether that could be something, whether it needs to be more school focused, so everybody's on the same page, everybody is discussing the same kind of CPD and everybody's kind of, got that same buy in in terms of what they're doing and what they're presenting and what they're um, everyone's goal is the same everyone's on the same track and whether having that kind of buzz throughout the whole school um, would help with in terms of the CPD or whether that would kind of hinder people that want to go off and have that individuality that autonomy in terms of what they want to learn.
2: I think yeah, I, I was I was kind of interested as well in terms of what you were saying about like the pathway of the career and and how at the beginning maybe we're more um open to it and then the sort of stagnation. And I always remember when I was training, um I remember the trainer saying, Oh, you're on a big learning pathway at the moment, but after five years you'll stagnate <laughs> And I remember thinking, Oh, uh I always remember them saying, yeah, five years, that's when most teachers will stagnate and they'll just, their learning will go up and up and then it will just flatline after five years. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I was always kind of trying to reflect on when I got to five years, if that happened. But I definitely think life, your life sort of path is part of your relationship with CPD. And I think uh, like, you know, doing a master's and doing, I I think that with the post-grad kind of qualifications, it just, it, it immerses you, doesn't it? And, and then the more you're in it, the more you want of it. And, and, and I think maybe if you do get to a point where you're experienced and you're not involved in those things, maybe, maybe you feel like, you know, you've got, got it right in your own kind of path and you don't really need, need anything. I don't know.
1: I think it also depends very much on the teachers that you're surrounded by and who you're talking to and who you're listening to, essentially, to the people listening. Because um, if you, like, I know that um, I've previously gone, oh, there's a research ed happening locally. I want to know uh, what other teachers are going from my school. It would be really good to know that. And uh um, kind of, I didn't really get much of a reply from the email and then turned up to the event and, and nobody from my school came. And I thought that was quite sad that it was just... Um, me and then, uh, as opposed to kind of uh, when I actually turned up, it was lots of teachers from previous schools that I've been at and lots of people that I've I've known for years. And it's very much that I don't know what it is like. We all kind of very much started as NPQs, um, newly trained teachers, together. But I think there were six or seven of us that all started at this school, all as kind of newly freshly graduated students. like 10 years later we're all turning up to the same conference so so there was something obviously embedded in us quite early on in that school that kind of CPD was important and it's and that research aspects quite a lot of them have gone on is it is it that the people engaged at CPD are more likely to get promoted they're more likely to go on and be successful as opposed to the people that are like they're just happy being teachers that's where they want to sit and but how do you kind of still get them to improve as well rather than just being like i know what i'm doing i'm just going to do what i've always done because i know it works and that's what i'm happy with
2: it's really interesting it's all like kind of like attitudes towards change it kind of all goes towards that element as well doesn't it and kind of feelings about change i know um i have you know i have experienced teachers who just find the concept of changing things really stressful and really feel really negative towards it um whereas i find it hard to imagine why you wouldn't it's like when you were talking about your curriculum and how and how it's evolved and how it's always evolving um and i think it's really interesting because there are people who feel like the purpose of the of a curriculum is to or the purpose of a of a sort of practitioner is to get to a point where it's like completed, um, and it's done, and then and then everything's fine. Um, it's almost like two complete, completely different schools of thought. And how do you encourage one towards the other?
1: yeah like as much as my curriculum i feel is is pretty close to perfect like uh, i was i had the ofsted the other week and i was quite happy to articulate exactly why i think it's an ambitious, ambitious curriculum and what i love about it and what i why it all everything links with everything and has proper sequence and everything is structured every way to kind of develop them and and get them to where they need to be but the, but I still tweak it. Even this week, I'm like, oh, that article will slot in well there. Oh, that contrast will work there. Oh, giving them that just to get make twist that question and make them think about that. That will work. And it's just it's that constant kind of, oh, let's add that in. Oh, let's add that in. I don't think I ever kind of can go. I, I, I very very rarely teach a lesson where I don't change it from where I've taught it before every year it's always like a little tweak here a little tweak there i don't know whether that's the kind of perfectionist in me or trying to kind of reach that idea of perfection but every time it, it's with that aim of that's going to make it more interesting or more engaging or might help them remember that or help them access that and it's that kind of i think if we if you don't engage in cpd and it, you've got to look at the kind of range as well of cpd like I, that's my probably downside to my cpd is that i'm very much into curriculum and how people learn and the science behind the way students learn and recall but actually you kind of need to consider the other aspects am i do i do enough cpd on behavior and engagement and or do i not na- do enough cpd in other areas that are going to actually enhance all of my teaching as a whole rather than just kind of i very much focus on what i enjoy but does that kind of ricochet into the other bits? Or is there an area of CPD that you've kind of gone, oh, I kind of avoid that CPD. It's not really my favorite part of teaching. Or do you kind of look at it all? Cause I know you've done, you're um, doing your masters as well. Is there an area that you've kind of gone, actually I enjoyed that a bit more than I thought I would.
2: Uh, yeah, finance. <laughs> <laughs> my, my module on finance and I had to, I had to go through the the accounts of a of a um a school in in a trust um and learn essentially accountancy um and i think i don't know it's interesting that is because i really struggled with it it really challenged me um and and the thing is i did really well in it in the end um because i worked really hard and i used for ages you know with kind of year 11 and things i used it as an example of you know Tackling something that you find really difficult, um, and how everybody's—if if I can sort of do that, then everybody's everybody's capable of of doing it. And I think, I think for me, that is one thing that is really important as a practitioner is putting yourself, like remembering how hard it is to learn something you're not good at. Um, I was the same on the sort of ski trips I've done. When I started to learn how to snowboard because I've skied for a long time and when I learned how to snowboard and I found it really hard it made me remember it it made me more compassionate when the kids found skiing difficult Um, and I think that is something that is really important about learning um, is that if we if we're always doing the thing that we're the specialist at then we we really struggle to identify well i i don't know i think it's fair to say that i as an english specialist or a drama specialist it's difficult to identify with children that find that specialism really difficult and when you put yourself in a challenging learning situation that that's when you really really remember that and i think it's really important for us to remember that and so i suppose not specific to cpd perhaps but in terms of like lifelong learning i think there's a i was i was listening i was just thinking while you were talking and thinking like do you think you can be a brilliant teacher that never does cpd like could you be brilliant if you didn't do it and i suppose this angle that i'm thinking about makes me think no because if you're not learning maybe you lose the ability to identify with people that find students that are finding things difficult i don't know what do you think do you think you can be a brilliant teacher and not do any cpd ever
1: (laughs) i i think it very much depends on the school that you're at really doesn't it and and the staff that are around you and and the slt that you've got if, if your school is delivering great in-house cpd that's incredibly inspiring and you're immersed in it in terms of internally
2: but if you school... did not do any but if you but what if there was a scenario where you had a school that just didn't do cpd it decided that they wanted practitioners to just be their own specialists, and so they didn't they made a point of saying, You're not gonna, you're not, <laughs> you're not <I'm, laughs> there's I'm no thinking, central
1: CPD, there's no inset, it's just all of that'll be on behaviour. Yeah. I'm thinking
2: some I'm thinking of Summerhill, and I'm not blaming Summerhill on, on this at all because they probably do loads of CPD, but but that is a that is a school that essentially have kind of made their own rules and they've rejected like ofsted and they've rejected ways of measuring them and they've and they've sort of done their own thing and i can imagine a scenario where a school like that could turn around and say actually these are the leaders in the room we have appointed them because they're specialists they don't need to know anything about sort of an outward facing approach so we're just gonna we're not gonna do any cpt and and would they be would they be good would
3: they be as good
1: I think it obviously, if they're early careers teacher, they won't have had that much experience. But if you're hiring people that come off the bat that have had a lot of experience, then yes, I think you can trust them to a certain extent. But then you've still got to consider. I don't think you can avoid it. I think even if you're in the staff room, you're talking about kind of, oh, that lesson didn't work. Oh, this happened. And you're kind of immersed in it in one way or another, whether you like it or not. But I do think it's, it's the the level of it. I do think if you're very much checked out, I just teach my lessons and then I go home. I'm I'm not changing a thing. I've been teaching the same thing year after year after year. It works. It's fine. I don't think that necessarily kind of, helps you and i think also the fact that the children are developing like a, a, each year that we get different kids they're way more tech savvy than they used to they're exposed to way more than they used to and also the gap between like for example if you're teaching history the gap to like previous uh events has changed like What's relevant to them is not relevant to kids that you taught 10 years ago. And, it, and it's it's what might have engaged kids 10 years ago isn't going to engage kids now. And it's that idea of how you have to develop and you have to adapt in order to get them to um, persevere and, and to do well. I th- think that, yes, you can have a certain amount of experience and still do well. If you were to do more and immerse yourself and develop yourself and be more up to date in more relevant uh, teacher CPD, then yes, I think you'd get better results. I, I do think that there is a correlation between the idea that how people teach and what people are engaging in and learning in terms of education does have a direct result in their results. I know that my results are really good within the school. They're quite high above other um, subjects. And that's because I constantly change and adapt and, and write my curriculum. And I feel like it is it is to that point where it's almost flawless. I don't think it ever could be flawless, but that's because I've adapted. The, the curriculum I taught five years ago wasn't bad. I still got great results, but I feel like it's, the results are improving because I'm adapting and changing it. And I think that's that's where it's got to be. Like, Yes, you can teach exactly the same and still be a good teacher and just stay in your little bubble. But I don't think is that going to be the best that you are going to get out of the children from that situation. What do you think? Do you think that there could be a world with no CPD?
2: <laughs> I like the idea of this as a conclusion. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think all all you can look at is probably your own experience, and I know that. feel more i think i feel it's more i feel more passionate and feel more immersed in my job when i now that i'm kind of doing more cpd regularly because of doing the sort of mpq and the masters and things like that um i think it's just part of my world more and i think if i wasn't doing if i wasn't doing those things i wouldn't be I might be engaged in the classroom, but I think the, the kind of overall sort of practice of teaching, I don't know if I would feel as, as passionate about it.
1: Is there a way to increase the uh, people's engagement? So if you were to have a kind of... Um, teacher breakfast on a Friday morning where you sent people articles beforehand, they came and joined, and kind of um, chatted about it. Um, is that something that might be one or two people coming, but then would it spread? is the the kind of lure of some croissants on a Friday morning or a coffee gonna make them turn up and and actually engage in it. Is it one of those things that could grow that you can kind of change people's habits and get them them to engage in that? Or is it very much that it's really hard to get people to engage if they've already checked out of it?
2: I think this is really interesting. I'm interested at the moment in this idea of kind of extrinsic uh, and uh, intrinsic rewards. Um, And sort of the idea of, I guess, how you think, how I view the private sector as having more extrinsic rewards and how teachers, it's the idea is that we, in our kind of uh, profession, we would do better from an intrinsic reward from feeling like, you know, if we do CPD, it benefits our practice, rather than we need a cross on in order to encourage us to go, um, yes. uh, because I'm mean, I'm I'm sort of I've thought about that at different times with the idea of um, I you know I always say the best CPD I do in a year is examining even though it totally destroys me in my whole life um, it is the best CPD that I do. And I know that I, I don't actually know of any schools that do this, but I've heard that there are schools, maybe mythically, that pay their examiners um, in order to do it. So it's that, yeah, the idea that actually we're going to pay you for this for this CPD to make to make our teaching and learning better. Um, I I tried to convince <laughs> one of my team last year. Uh, to do examining and offered to cover her classes um, as a as a way as a sort of um, reward scheme, um, and she didn't do it. <laughs> so I, I failed. Um, and on the other hand, another member of my team has uh, has applied to do examining this year. So I suppose in that little example, the extrinsic didn't beat the intrinsic, the one that wanted to do it is doing it. And the one that didn't and was offered a sort of reward scheme, it wasn't enough. Um, it, is, it is an interesting thought like, should CPD, should we, you know, should people that are constantly engaged in research and doing things like that, should we be, should there be a re- a re- rewards? And I, and I suppose you talked about how, you know, it is the reward, potential promotion um is that is that the reason but then i i don't know i don't know about you but i i'm not convinced that that's the reason i'm interested in cpd
1: no, I'm, I'm a bit the same. Like, I'm very driven, and I but I don't think it helps, doesn't it, if you can go to an interview and reel off whoever you've read or the CPD that you've been on on. But it's also the fact that you're confident in what you're talking in terms of what is going on in education and how it enhances the student's learning. And I think it is that kind of idea that it's important to kind of see... Um, what people are doing, but I, I, it's interesting the idea of the the That's examining because I'm the same. Like with art, you can become a moderator, but you have to go have quite a bit of time off to go and visit other schools. And obviously, the the school are reimbursed for that. But it's kind of it's a great experience to go around and look at the other schools, see what other school works are doing, see where they're marking it, and what kind of things they're doing. Like that, I think it is like a great experience. And it's definitely something that can benefit the school. So do the school need to buy in on CPD? Do they need to encourage more teachers to go and do that kind of thing? Because there isn't any kind of experience, like secondhand experience, the going and having, having that training from the exam board itself that you're then going to be teaching the students from is, is a different type of CPD completely from going and um, attending a CPD based on like a theory or a book or science of learning the actual CPD of kind of going and developing as a, an examiner is very different, but they, they have benefits in different ways.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I think, uh, I think there, there is, there is potential for rewards, I think, some kind of Move towards more rewards. I think I think schools should be encouraging examiners. We we've just changed our spec um, at my school for English, and we've done the first like mock ppes um, with that new spec. And the mark scheme is so different to the previous spec that my team were working with that it's really it's really challenged them. That they've really knocked their confidence with uh, marking. Um, yeah it's really challenged them and at the end of the day i examined it this year so i feel more confident and so the impact on teaching and learning is is huge isn't it um do we but then it, it's messy isn't it because how how can you can you value some certain cpd over other cpd and uh yeah I, I, how do you how do you if 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 reward becomes extrinsic how do you how do you measure how do you measure that i guess that's why is it too messy
1: and i think like so the national cpd that i ran last week um there was a a a group of us and obviously uh, 46 schools across the country there's a lot of different exam boards so we were presenting the uh, art exam that starts in January from four or five different exam boards point of view obviously because of COVID we'd not had an exam for a few years so it's trying to remind people of all the things that we need to do also a lot of people in terms of photography has moved to digital portfolios and the things they now need to consider that they wouldn't have considered before in terms of online examining and it's for me it was it was very much that the people that kind of knew came and refreshed. But it was quite interesting to see that some of the early careers teachers didn't come and engage in that. But then they will come and email later on and be asking for support. So it's interesting that, in terms of delivering the CPD from the other hat, it's kind of that idea that you want to it's easier to do it as a group and engage and look at the differences and the similarities and also it's great because you can ask questions and you can have other people with different experiences offer their point of view and you're going to feed off each other and you get great kind of additional answers that you wouldn't get if it was just me recording a video talking through the exam paper whereas if if you're getting all those different points of views of oh don't this is a great tip oh don't forget about this oh remember this that's like a really kind of engaging CPD where you're getting lots from other people. So it's nice that the kind of experienced people are there offering their support and kind of building their craft in terms of sharing good practice. But it's it's interesting to see that it's difficult. The the schools that need the help and the schools that are perhaps um needing more support from the national role are not the the, the teachers that are attending the free sessions that are available to them. And I think that's Quite interesting. Do you think that people that don't engage in CPD and don't do CPD, are they at a less advantage? Are they disadvantaging themselves and making their life actually more difficult by not attending and finding ways to kind of support themselves?
2: Um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about, I'm, I'm not going to try and say her name because I know I'll say it wrong, but the head teacher um, of Michaela was talking recently about um, teachers and striking and and she was saying if behavior was excellent in schools teachers wouldn't be striking over pay um and I think there's an element of the space to get to a space where you're open to learning and you're open to change and all of those things you have to be in a space where you're open to things and you're not feeling overwhelmed and defensive and stressed and I think if if early careers teachers aren't engaging in CPD, it's probably more because they feel like they don't have time for anything more than because they don't want to learn. Um, so creating, I think, cultural change is is massive, and and uh, having like something I'm looking at for my 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 dissertation, uh, you know, in terms of looking at how you how you change culture um, in terms of. Uh, I'm looking particularly at reading culture but uh, yeah in in any kind of culture of a school when you you know all of the evidence is that the outstanding schools the culture is sort of really receiving wanting to receive and wanting and kind of uh, wanting to learn and I think when when we feel overwhelmed we, we we kind of go defensive and and we sort of it's that it's that firefighting world isn't it and I would I would worry about schools in need that are rejecting learning because I, I don't think it's because, I I don't like to think that it's because teachers don't want to be better. I, I think I have to believe that it's because teachers don't feel able rather than don't want to.
1: Do you think senior leadership need to arm themselves kind of with all the different CPD options that are kind of available in terms of different subjects? So I know that I have, not only my national subject lead within the kind of trust, but also we've got our network. So our East Anglian art teacher network. So for me, there's lots of different places that I can go and get support and look outwardly. I don't know whether it's the same with other subjects, but is there, I feel almost like that would be quite useful for head teachers or senior leaderships to almost have like a list of these are the places you should go and engage if you need help, especially when it's like one person departments. I mean, you know, from drama and art, like sometimes they can be little departments or sometimes they can be really big departments and you also need help in that respect. It's, It's that idea of, almost having like a directory of kind of right this is where you can go and find people that are in similar situations that can help you or I think it is sometimes teaching can be lonely you can feel like you're really struggling or you don't it, sometimes you quite often get stuff kind of added to you and you're like oh god, I don't know how to do that now I've got to suddenly set this up and it's it's kind of knowing the places that you can go to for support I think it's is the promotion of it the promotion of kind of using networks more necessarily than not necessarily CPD I guess there's that that network side of CPD where you're kind of supporting and helping and guiding each other and sharing expertise so you you get that kind of real mix of early teachers that want to learn and you get that great kind of (laughs) experienced teachers that want to share and do we need to encourage more of that within teaching that kind of do look outwardly and kind of get that support or if you're doing great stuff go and share it
2: yeah um i think that i always think that that is the beauty of of trust or it should be it should be the beauty of trusts um and the idea of kind of creating um creating networks and communities i'm just looking at what josh has said about feeling like when cpd is just too broad and the one size fits all idea. I, I think that's that is the problem, isn't it? Is it was when when that is the experience of CPD. That's when it's not relevant. So, I was reading an article um, yesterday um, that was just you know I was doing my master's work and I, I ended up with this article about scaffolding um, types for a- and a- academic texts. Um, and like the 10 different ways and the, the most useful way of scaffolding an academic text for a, a sort of high, uh, late, late secondary school child and and, and what's the most useful. And, and it's massively useful to me, like hugely useful, really inspiring, really exciting. And that's because it's relevant to me. and And I think partly that is that is the sort of nature of the beast is 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 finding a way for all teachers to have relevant cpd that they can access within their working week if that's what they want to do
1: so is there like a almost like a cpd kind of bread and butter that that you think schools should have within it is it kind of a case that do we need to almost band subjects together so there's time for similar subjects to kind of reflect and compare to each other? Or is it good to kind of have a bit of a mix and do kind of a cross? So I remember when I was um, uh, an early careers teacher and I... um, was at a new school so it was the second year it's open so there weren't many teachers in there so they made my mentor the head of maths so the head of maths was coming and watching uh, me teach and because it was a new school they put it was only the second year of opening our year eight students was all the students with behavior and learning difficulties were all in one class because normally they would have a ta with them for uh, science and maths and english but they come to art and that's when they get their break. So they come to me with no support whatsoever. And then I'm teaching all these kids how to do printing. And I remember the maths teacher watching me and then afterwards going and seeing my head of department and going, oh, I've got a whole new respect for art teachers. He was like, that was chaotic. It was organised and beautiful. But wow, that was that was a whole different way of learning. And I, I do think there's a lot of stuff where people especially within like subjects, we don't necessarily go and look at what other teachers are, are learning. I love going and watching science because the practical side of that actually kind of is quite similar to me and art. but are they actually kind of looking both ways? I, I, I think some subjects is not not that I'm having a pop at the core subjects, but some s- subjects are very much inward and don't necessarily kind of consider what other subjects could bring to their kind of aspect of teaching.
2: <laughs> I love that you've had a pop-up course cool. um, <laughs>
1: um
2: yeah well I would say as as so my my background is that I was uh, I'm English and drama specialist so I was head of drama in my last job and now I'm assistant head in charge of English in this job so I've gone from a tiny department of one <laughs> um, where there was no arguments uh, to a large English larger English department. And I think one of the things that you do notice about being in a, in a core, in a, in a big, bigger department is that there, there are just other, there are other voices. So there probably is naturally almost less kind of need to look out or, or it feels like there's less need to look outside or maybe there's so many voices already that (laughs) um, maybe there's not space. I think, I think that's interesting. This was making me think about, Maybe we should have a little open discussion um, about uh, worst examples of CPD that we've either led or been part of. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be quite a fun one. I will kick it off, if you don't mind, Hannah, because yes. I thought of one and I might forget it. I'm, I'm simultaneously doing my kids' tea. Um, so this is an example of uh, CPD being part of my work-life balance. Um, uh Yeah, so I was asked at a a school a few years ago, another school that I was at, um, I was asked, I think it was literally in July, in the last week of term, and they said, oh, we're we're getting different teachers to run different sessions uh, on September inset, and we'd like you, so it was an assistant head, I think, that asked me, it was someone in SLT that I felt like I wanted to please, and um, she she said, "Uh, we'd like you to run a session on how to be fun in, <laughs> in the classroom. And I immediately thought, well, I mean, uh, this, is, this is horrific, I can't win. I mean, everyone's gonna hate me. You know, everyone's coming back from their summer where they've actually had fun. And I'm being standing in front of them, telling them how they should be a, more fun as a teacher. This is, this is the end of my relationships at work. And yet, obviously I said, yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: I will do that. That's definitely what I'll do. Uh, spent the entire summer sort of panic, like worrying about how best I could possibly pitch this without damaging my relationships with everyone and still doing, you know, completing the tasks that I've been asked to do. Um, <clears throat> and I ended up, it wasn't a complete. Was it? I don't know. I don't think it was a complete fail, but I do remember making, you know, those little things, I don't I don't know how to describe this, those little paper games that I used to play when I was about eight years old, and you used to, and you'd put them in your hands, and then you'd lift up the different yes. flaps, and they'd tell you different things. I don't know what they're called, but I'd obviously decided in a last ditch effort that this was fun, and this is what I needed, and I made loads of them, and, that i i can't remember what the rest of it was about but there was definitely a horrific activity that was there because i was panicked i'm not convinced anyone i mean what was what were people getting out of that i'm i i don't know i don't know so i can i can categorically say that i have definitely been in some amazing cpd and that has not involved someone telling me how to be more fun or giving me a paper toy i'm not the only person now because i have just absolutely damaged my career
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i think there is there is that i'll I'll come back to that but i was going to say that my best one was one of my one where i was training to be a teacher and i remember a lot of them were people talking at me and then there was this one woman claire gatsby um and I think she wrote that there's like a little purple book that's like the perfect Ofsted lesson or something but I remember her coming in and she just had us doing all the activities engaging us and doing all, all all of the different tasks and it was the first person that made me do it and made me be the student and made me think about how I was learning and how engaged I was in the task and what I was doing and is there is is there that is there the recipe for the perfect CPD do you need a certain amount of kind of theory and understanding because you you need people to understand how things work and what the science are work like, because you they've got to understand the buy-in they've got to understand like this research works this is why you need to this works this is why we're doing it and then but also is there that kind of engagement that you need if it's not just sitting and watching a screen like you want them to do something you want them to interact you want them to be involved i know i've certainly had issues when well, not necessarily my issues but i've been on courses where there's 40 50 people and i'm i'm the only person me and the presenters are the only people with our our, uh cameras on like and as teachers i get the students doing it in lockdown but the teachers like come on guys put them on like let's see yeah let's engage i think even if even the people that do attend CPD how how engaged in the CPD are they what do we need to do is there like that perfect recipe of what needs to be included in it is there that kind of needs to be theory needs to be a bit of kind of engagement a bit practical and a bit of kind of almost conversation and collab and sharing at the end
2: uh do you know what I spent another summer I need to on I need to get a life <laughs> this is what i'm realizing from this podcast i should have realized it sooner i spent another summer trying to work out what the most effective most enjoyable cpd was um and i came to the conclusion that you can't you can't win them all you can't please everyone you can't uh I, there's not there's not a perfect response to this because if you're ju- if you're kind of just talking about the delivery some people really like sitting and just looking at slides um because they just want to be given the information as efficiently as they can so that they can take it away and impact it and some people hate death by powerpoint on september the first whenever it is we have to go back and do this um and some people want to kind of participate and be interactive And, and and the other people that like the slides hate that (laughs) so I think I came to the conclusion that a little bit of both was probably my best my best uh my best uh approach but I think probably what I what I said and what I think comes back to what Josh said is that it's got to make people feel like you you talked earlier Hannah about making work you know not adding to workload and when, when you can come out of it and see it in your lesson, and ideally not have much work to do to put it in your lesson, and see how that benefits you and see how it benefits the children in the room, that that's it, isn't it? And, and so, and, and when, I don't know, when I think about it like that, I kind of think, well, how, how do we get it wrong so often? Why, why are SLT making me be fun? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do think it is that, isn't it? It's, it's if it's easy transferable, so it doesn't add to workload, or you've got to give them time to be able to adapt the workload. But if you can do... Is that ben- like the people... There's, um, like the CPD, I went to it at the weekend, there's one lady who just basically just has pictures to remind herself what to talk about, but she doesn't put any writing on any of her slides. And I love talking to her. She's one of my favourite people to go watch on terms of CPD, and she's really engaging in the way she talks. But afterwards, I'm like, ah, uh, I, like, I didn't write notes, and the <laughs> slides don't say anything, and I'm like, that was really good, but now I don't, like, can't quite remember what I need to do. Um, or there's the people with the, like, the loads of writing on the slides that just sit there and read it and it's like no 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 but then I've got the slides afterwards so um but I do like it when they have kind of um there was this teacher that did these oracy slides and I was able they kind of had different tactics and you could just kind of take it and pop it in and just adapt it for your lessons and it was really easy to implement and I think that's going to help with teachers kind of helping and and with the buy-in if it if the cpd they, if they know that it works and they can understand the theory behind why this is a good initiative, and it's not just for the fun of it, other than to find the fun in teaching, um, and <laughs> you can you can apply it. And I think if if there's that kind of benefit, but it doesn't outweigh the the time, and it benefits the kids, why wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, you. I think you've you've got to have your champions, haven't you? You've got to have. The hannah wilson in the school that that is really enthusiastic and motivational um i th- I, th- I think i think you have to have those people and in order to in order to to, to make it happen i think you, you you need the champions don't you um i think that's, that's important someone
1: is going back it. isn't it it's going back as well like if you if you've especially if you're doing it on a whole school approach isn't it it's it's like when going going as a senior leadership, if you've if you've launched something, you need to go and see it in practice and and celebrate the the people that are doing it. Mention it in briefing. Mention it um, at the next inset, like or the twilight. Make sure you're kind of promoting the people that are getting it right and showing the benefits and, and stuff. And then you can kind of help, kind of with that support and engagement.
2: Yeah, celebrating celebrating is something that oh, I just. I just think, how do we miss it so much? And we do, you know, we were talking about it on my MPQH a couple of weeks ago. And we were all, you know, saying, who have you, who have you sort of celebrated this week? And we don't, we don't do it enough. And when I look at teachers who uh, I'm, I'm working on developing, my main approach is developing them by celebrating, celebrating their successes. And reminding them about their strengths, because I think when we're struggling in teaching, it's a really tough crowd, isn't it? It's really tough. Like the people in the room aren't having a good time. Usually you're not having a good time and the people above you aren't having a good time either because you're not, you know, because things aren't going well. And and that's a really negative environment to try and be positive in. Um, and so like celebrating, celebrating things going right. And as a result of CPD, I think is a huge, huge thing in terms of, in terms of buy-in. And, and I've also been thinking about, they talk about relational trust on my, um, and the idea that we need, if we've got these champions in the school, we we need to have the trust to know that they aren't giving us unnecessary workload and 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 we trust them to 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 give us yeah the these the cpd or the learning or the tasks or whatever it is that's going to make us have a better time in our jobs and 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 our children have a better time and 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 that trust is is difficult if you know going into a school where that trust has been damaged and schools like teachers have a kind of negative attitude towards anything that's that they deem extra it's really difficult to build trust in a damaged culture um i don't know if that's going off topic but i think it, it's really entwined in relationships with cpd
1: no i agree because if it's if, if, if... The environment's quite negative it, it you and you're throwing cpd at it to try and fix it but you're not fixing the attitude towards learning as a whole then that's going to be really difficult i remember um laura who's in the in the chat we worked at a school together and it was very much open door policy you were allowed to wander into anybody teacher's room you wanted you could watch it was absolutely fine. and we had one um principal that was a kind of down, his room was at the end of our corridor. So he, we would regularly get uh, dropped in and come in, wander around and wander out. And we were like, "Oh, was the lesson good? Did, did he like it? And it's like, he's like, if I speak to you, then it's a bad lesson. If not, it's a good lesson. Like I'm, I'm I'm only, I'm just having a wander around. I just want to see what everyone's doing. And it, and it like, it was, it soon you became very relaxed with it. It was just became the norm. And it kind of then opened this conversation up across the whole school that staff would If you wanted to, you'd say, oh I really want to learn about this Has anybody really good at that and then people would who would would volunteer and be like oh I do that I'm doing that on this lesson this lesson and this lesson and you're welcome to go watch you go wander in for 10 minutes and then wander out and then if they wanted feedback you could give feedback and it was it was really nice to have this open door policy to go and see good practice and I think that's the thing that kind of goes hand in hand with CPD you can learn about strategies and you can learn about good practice but actually seeing how it's implemented firsthand is also really beneficial like learning from each other is actually a really good cpd and if you have that open trusting culture where people aren't going to go in there and then come out and then be really kind of like oh well they were teaching really poorly and you've you've got that kind of support and like oh my gosh i really enjoyed that i'm gonna go try that and that kind of idea of supporting each other and kind of growing that culture of yeah like i mean that's why I was very much, when Ofsted were turning up, I was like, hand up, I want them in my room. Like, I'm so used to people coming into my room and observing me because that that's what I want. I, like, I'm a teacher, I thrive on teaching and I'm, yeah, there's gonna be lessons that aren't gonna be as good as others, we're all human, the perfect lesson all the time isn't sustainable, but we do the best that we can with what we can at the time. And it's and it's it is also breaking that idea that that we're, we're not, Kind of superhumans that can perform constantly at this really high level but like what we are doing is still impressive even just as a sustained period of teaching especially when we're like a week away from christmas and it's been a long half term but we're still like we're still really good at what we do and we should share that and kind of celebrate that
2: i'm interested in when he talked about um the the way that he he would walk in and only talk to you if it was something negative were you was that okay with you or would you have liked to have him had him talk to you for a positive reason
1: we all kind of like at the start we're like oh i really want it why why didn't he say anything i want to i want to know what he thinks and like we really valued his his opinion because he was a very experienced um teacher but it was very much yes we would have liked feedback and um I think that could have been the touch where like it could have been added to a briefing was like oh I saw this really good practice and then it's kind of like it's almost that kind of idea that it's like oh come view me come see me um like I I want that kind of I'm doing this really well and it's it's I think there could have been that little bit of add-on that would have benefited it and celebrated it but it also kind of very much made like, my classroom is open. Anybody can come into my classroom. Anybody can come in at any point. Sometimes it will be chaos. Sometimes it will be beautiful. Um, but it's always open to people to come in and, and kind of see the learning that's happening. Uh, go have a little flick through the book. See what they've been doing. See what they've implemented. Like, I I'd, I'd, I'd love having a little sneak at some of the kids' books, especially my tutor group. If they're studying, I'm like, oh, what have you been up to? And I think it's, it's kind of interesting seeing how other subjects... Do things and present things, and I, I don't think there's, I don't think that's something that we do as teachers. Like, how many other teachers look at other other departments' books? Like, I don't think that's something that's generally shared. And um, I don't know whether I'd necessarily go, "Oh, can can everyone bring a book and can I come have a look at it?" But we do that as in terms of. Um, national CPD across the trust, we would kind of look at each other's books. we have done those meets where we have all bought books from different year groups and swap books and looked how others are doing it and how other schools are teaching it. And that's really interesting. But it would be interesting to see across, we're given a lot of autonomy at my school in terms of like how the departments do things. But I think there is a lot in terms of kind of seeing what other people are doing and seeing what works. And I think not, people don't necessarily do that inwardly um, enough.
2: No, I think it's something that happens with usually kind of at SLT, isn't it? You'll have a kind of book look across departments or it might happen at HODS to an extent. But teachers, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think I think I don't think teachers are seeing that much. And I think that all comes back to the idea of being I know you're talking about it inward in terms of within the school, but outward facing as in like beyond my own subject area. Um I think that's why CPD is important to me is because it's about finding out what other people are doing and how I can make myself better. And I think if I didn't engage i wouldn't I wouldn't know as much. Um, and I think that that's the same as looking, you know within your school. It's, it's outward facing in terms of your own practice.
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think. Um, it's that kind of um, really kind of in terms of CPD as well, like I think is that something that, that schools need to do will is there CPD that can help schools in terms of like actually if we share what we're all doing is there is that transferable? Well that actually, is is that going to help? That's going to help the students. If we're all doing very similar things, that's going to help them with those transferable skills that are going to build across it. If we all have kind of different methods of doing things, that's going to make them have to learn an extra method. So is that better that they have to learn extra skills or is it better that we kind of make sure we're talking across departments in terms of what we're learning and what we're doing and that we do it across the school?
2: I think there's that idea, isn't there, of trying to steal, steal ideas. I, I finally watched the Michaela um, documentary over o- October half term and I think if I'd have, w- if I'd have watched it six months ago, whenever it was it came out, I think I would have just been really negative about them um, and just had a really kind of, oh, you know, this, this it's not, you know, it's, it's crazy kind of a, uh, a perspective and then they got their results. I think they were, they're the highest weren't they in progress for the country and they got, it was they were on two, I think, like in terms of the results. Um, and I think because I watched it after they'd got those results, I had a much more, uh, an opinion of, well, you know, they are doing a massive service to these, to these children. Um, so how can you, you can't completely criticize that because they are doing something amazing. Um, but when you, I don't know if you've watched it, Hannah, but when you watch, you know, some of the things, you kind of think, yeah, I get it. You know, if behaviour was outstanding all the time, teaching and learning would be better. On the other hand, um, I think Stephen Fry, I think Stephen Fry goes and visits the school. And so they, all, they have this thing where they all put their hand up. So the teacher... Is very much, it's very much that traditional, she's at the, you know, at the, or he is, is at the front of the classroom and everyone's sitting in rows. And as minute, the minute they stop talking, the children all put their hands up um, to show how engaged they are. And um, it's very much celebrated put your hand up, put your hand up. We want everyone's hand up all the time. And Stephen Fry kind of, you see him and he kind of goes, I just feel like, I don't know if I'd want to have my hand up all the time. I feel like, just like, quite like to think about. About, about it and just like have my thoughts and kind of formulate those and not and not sort of be pressured constantly to, to say something and put my hand up um, and, and, I, and I think basically the, the point is is that the, Michaela does work for those children we won't know how they'll feel about it in sort of 30 years time but it does work it is getting the results um, but no I don't think every school can implement all of the things Michaela did and have the same results i think i think we can learn we can learn can't we we can learn from each other we can learn from cpd but we have to we have to come to our own conclusions about what 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 is right for us what is right for our children but i think i'm coming back to that idea of c- can we do it without cpd and and i don't think we can i, I think we have to have an awareness of other ideas in order to formulate our own
1: i think it is that like we have to keep looking and uh, understanding the research i think that's why the research is so important and is really seeing what impact it has and making sure because that's the thing there is a lot of cpd out there that's cpd for cpd's sake and you kind of go on it and you're like oh this isn't quite what i expected like it's not kind of necessarily got the oomph and impact that i was kind of hoping for and i think it is that idea that um you kind of need to make sure that there there is something that backs it there is a reason for it there is an understanding as to why that cpd is effective and what benefits it has but at the same time there's got to be somebody that starts it there's got to be somebody that tries something new and sees the benefits and then writes the research on it so it is it's kind of like a A chicken and egg story like at what point do you start are you the the person that's going to start something new take a risk on something and like oh actually that could work for my kids but also the kids are from different areas of the country are all going to be very different the schools are going to be very different so what works for one won't necessarily work for another
2: and then we get into the idea where that fits in terms of trusts and in terms of shared curriculums and in terms
1: of
2: (laughs) cross-trust cbd and and it's a it's a minefield.
1: <laughs> That's the thing. Is is cr- like a cross trust curriculum. Is that taking out the giving teachers more time to hone their craft and be able to kind of do that better, or is it is it that actually kind of it, it loses that autonomy and that students aren't getting that same level of teaching?
2: I'm wondering if Laura has a, has thoughts on this. I just I just noticed that um, Josh had gone, but he had a he had a recommendation of a book that I haven't read by Adam Grant called Think Again about cross curriculum collaboration. No, I
1: haven't I just, read
2: that one. I'm wondering if I might I might just try and link that.
1: Hi, Laura. What are your thoughts?
4: Hi, hello, um, fellow Norfolk people. <laughs> Um, well, I just, this is so interesting. I've really enjoyed listening to it. Thank you so much. Um, I thought I would maybe just throw in my two pence. Um, so I'm an assistant head in Norfolk um, for teaching and learning and CPD. And I also hold a similar role across our trust. So I probably maybe might have thoughts from like the other side of it, I suppose, maybe. Um, but just hearing you both thinking about, uh, talking about how, you um, you want to whatever CPD you attend you want to feel the benefit of it don't you and you want to see uh it impacts the children you know that's why we're all doing what we do um, and I've recently read a really interesting um paper um, from Thomas R Gusky. I just looked it up so I could make sure that I um, said the right paper um, and it's called professional development and teacher change um, and in it he discusses how um teachers follow this kind of uh model of teacher change um which is not just that they go to their cpd but there's so much more after that that needs to come um they need to practice whatever it is in their classroom um they need to see that the students learning outcomes are improving because of those actions and then um that's when their beliefs or their their habit will change and you know a lot of my job is is trying to get teachers to change um and to implement new strategies and things like that and actually i found that paper really eye-opening that that really you know we're all humans we like rewards and as teachers there's no greater reward than our children doing really well our our students doing really really well and actually we can attend a, a a cpd and i always talk about it in my school that the approach that we have to cpd is that we're trying to close the knowing and doing gap we don't just want you to go to cpd and know about something we want you to do it um so we've kind of changed our cpd quite a lot over the, the last couple of years to try and kind of um, achieve that i suppose um, and also a lot of this aligns with the eef and their professional development guidance and about the mechanisms um they suggest that professional development needs to have to be successful um
1: I, I really like i like the knowing and doing gap i like that that's i think that's the thing but is it that obviously there's a certain breed of teacher as we've kind of oh. discovered tonight that that kind of will engage and will do it and do see the benefits how do you do you then how do you get the other staff that don't necessarily want to do doing it to, and, and how do you get them hooked to, to kind of begin at the start
4: um, I think so I will over communicate why we do something um, like I'm so I, I do a teaching and learning briefing every single um, one, once a week every single Tuesday morning so I'll over communicate why we're doing the thing that we're doing I will always it will always link to research it will always be the best practice for all students, but it might disproportionately benefit our SEND students or our pupil premium students as well. So I just like they to the point that staff eye roll like that's how yeah, much
1: yes I go over and over <laughs>
4: And you know, if there are staff then that, that still aren't doing it, I I will ask them why. Um, you know, is there something I can help? Do you not understand part of it? Do you not agree with it? You know, and I'll try and have those professional conversations. Obviously, our middle leaders drive the school really. You know, the the, the heads of departments and and our heads of you know they're they're the kind of the engine room, as as people say, of of a school. And you know, they will be there, um, in that really difficult place of being. Kind of asked to do stuff by SLT, but still being a very much full time teacher as well, and having to to deal with you know their team and 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 kind of working with them and supporting them as well as asking them to do stuff. So it's getting buy in from the from the middle leaders as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know I I I've come into a school um, where there's all sorts of teachers there. There there are teachers that have been teaching twenty years. There are teachers that have that were. Uh, NQTs or or now ECTs and, and, and people in between and you know I think we have to communicate why we're doing the thing we're doing so one year we spent a whole year working on the beginning of a lesson having a retrieval practice quiz in every subject every lesson every year group every time and I talked about that all year for a whole year but you would not come into my school and not see that you will see that in every single classroom and you'll see it well you know it'll be done really really well by every single um teacher um and that's because i drummed the drum the whole year um everyone else on slt whether their role is teaching and learning or not they d- drummed the drum for me as well middle leaders you know it's that kind of over communication of why we're doing it why it's important and how to do it successfully um but again celebrating i think that's where i sort of thought you know what i'm going to join into this chat uh, when edwina was saying about celebrating um, I think that's really, really important, really, really important. Are we allowed to mention any companies that we work with
1: on this? Um, as long as you're not promoting just in in kind of... Okay, in, I, won't, I, won't
4: men- I won't mention who then. So there's an online platform that we're working with and we do instructional coaching through that platform. So actually our main source of CPD for staff is working, they're in pairs with each other. And they're working, um, whatever the whole school kind of strategy is for the year, they'll be working through that with each other. Are those
1: pairs internally? Two teachers, or one with the company and one with the school? No, no, no,
4: internal, internal. So so two teachers with each other. Uh, Some of them are same subject, some of them aren't. Um, And they meet every fortnight and they discuss their teaching. And then before they meet the next fortnight, they have to have gone in and see each other teach. Um, and we, as, as SLT kind of set the focus for the year, Uh, it does go off on tangents. So, you know, people might all start, last year was cold calling. So, you know, in September, everyone was watching each other using cold calling, but then by, you know, by February, some people had gone back to wanting to work on their behavior management. Some people were looking at modeling, you know, it kind of went off. Um, but that platform that we use also has a way of praising, um, excellent practice. So, um, it, it, hannah you were talking about uh our dear beloved old colleague who used to come into our lessons because his office yeah. was on our corridor <laughs> um so um, at my school a member of SLT is kind of walking around school every single lesson um they might not come in your lesson but they'll walk past um so we we're all on a rotor so i've done it for two hours today um, and if we see anything great we'll 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 share that on our on this platform all staff see
1: that that's great so do so you just great. write a little comment about what you've seen
4: yeah I can't, I don't want to say what it's called because I'll give yeah. away the platform but um yeah we write a comment and we post it and it and, it, and it, it lands on so the teacher gets an automatic email as does their head of department with it written in the email but also it's it's on this platform as well um so if anyone logs in you know the next time they're going to coach their partner when they log in the homepage has them all as a like a live feed as well so that's good. Um, heads of departments do it as well. We're encouraging heads of departments to use it and staff when they're doing their one-to-one instructional coaching just every two weeks, if they want to do one for their partner, they can.
1: I think that's that's great. That's a great way of kind of promoting um, what it is and and kind of, keeping them engaged they're going to see that that positivity and having that positive exactly. communication
4: i mean that i'm curious
1: that- did you guys pair them up or did they automatically get paired up and ha- if you paired them up what made you pair those stuff together
4: um so we pair them up in slt at the moment um some heads of departments will email through knowing that we do it and sort of say uh, would you mind if i could be with that person or would you mind if they go with so-and-so because we're really working on this at the moment um so it's quite open but yeah slt will sign uh, people up together sometimes it is literally those two people are part-time so that will work better for them um they might not meet quite as often because of their kind of you know um contracted hours um Other people will be like, do you know what, they're, they're, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of examples. So, like, we were doing cold calling last year. Some people were quite nervous about doing it because they're not particularly loud. So we'd pair them up with someone really experienced that we knew already did do cold calling in their their practice already. Um, Loads of reasons um, that people will be paired up with each other. Practical subjects (laughs) with each other. Non-practical with a practical. Like, there's so many reasons why. You could pair each other, people together um, and we're all doing the same strategy. You know, we start off in September, everybody's doing the same thing. So it doesn't matter what subject you are.
1: I think that's really important so you've got that that whole school thinking all focusing on the same bit but there is that tricky side of of kind of considering you don't want to pair the teacher that's been teaching 20 years that's not necessarily as engaged with like a super like fresh out of the bag teacher that like you want to you've got you've you have got to be careful in terms of who you're pairing up together and who's going to benefit from those pairings I think I think that that for me sounds like a massive challenge (laughs)
4: um do you know what I haven't yet had anyone complain about who they're with at all. Um, I've had some pairs that haven't worked because one person doesn't put as much effort in as another. Um, But that's fine because I can address that with that person um, who's maybe not engaging with it quite as much. Um, And actually, you know, we all have performance management targets that come through from the head teacher or whatever, you know, depending on what the school's kind of current focus is, you know, our first year of our current head teacher the school, we were really focusing on behaviour and culture. Um, But actually, the year after that, one of the kind of shared performance management targets that everyone had was engaging with CPD, in particular, XYZ platform uh, and and instructional coaching. Um, So actually, you know, we had that kind of like level of accountability, I suppose. And I realise I'm talking now like a member of SLT, but (laughs) that's part of my job. So if there's anyone not doing it, again, ask them why? Is it that they can't find time in their timetable to go and drop in on the other person and um, they've all got an extra hour of ppa to be able to do that
1: oh my gosh i want that
4: that it works this year direct to time wise you know how that will go long term i'm not sure uh, you know because schools change money changes numbers change budgets change etc but um yeah at the moment it's worked it's working absolutely fine and I mean, we pretty much everyone does it now i don't have to chase people too much anymore.
1: I like the fact that it is it is that kind of there is that conversation, <laughs> that follow up of kind of, well, why aren't you engaging in it? What what, what are the barriers? And I think I think that is it. If, if people know that they don't have to engage in the CPD, they don't really have to do it. It's only going to be like, oh, it'll be this term and then they'll forget about it. And I don't really have to do it. I think it is making people yeah, well, accountable. Like <laughs> I love it.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of my job, I guess, is, is the, that, that follow-up. Because CPD cannot be death by PowerPoint. You all sit in a hall once every six weeks. And then SLT, SLT six weeks later, like, why isn't everyone doing that thing? Like, that doesn't work. That's what I was used to. Yeah. Um, it doesn't work. And I, so we have CPD every week. We meet every week. Um, we do instructional coaching one week. And the following week, I do, like, a 20-minute session recapping our focus and that's it. We don't have any three hour meetings every half a term or whatever. We have really short, sharp meetings every single week.
1: I suppose it's that's almost It's almost like retrieval practice for teachers, isn't it? It's that's, not that like really I mean, long exactly session it. that's three that's times it. a year. You, you're getting that constant. We're applying what we've learned in science for children to teachers. It, it just completely exactly makes it. sense.
4: Yeah, I've just done a a CPD session for our middle leaders about how how they can design really effective um, professional development in their departments. And I was saying to them, you have to treat it like it's a lesson. You you know you have to structure it like a lesson. You have to model whatever the thing is. You have to you know put the the theory and the knowledge behind it. You know, and then. Uh, you know I was saying we over communicate or that is retrieval practice. sometimes I start my CPD sessions with a quiz. <laughs> I love that
1: I love um, that you completely so, turn the teaching on the teachers and the teachers well, have to
4: but, recall. but you know everything we do in teaching that's it's not how children learn, it's how people learn. you know it's how the yeah. brain functions, retrieval practice et etc. I don't see why we can't apply that to to um, <laughs> professional development.
2: I was no, going to say next. um sorry hi I'm back um <laughs> I was just going to comment on uh what Laura was saying um about uh the pairings and um it really kind of uh I did a I did a part of my masters on mentoring and um about paired mentoring and how in the in the private sector people are constantly mentored by by people who aren't their line manager because it's obviously it's taken kind of for granted that you can't effectively mentor someone that is that you're the line manager of in the sense of they're not going to be completely open and honest in the same way as they would with a peer. so i think what's interesting about this instructional um style is that the pairings like remove that kind of line manager uh you know relationship with with the sort of member of staff and allow that imagine allow that honesty allow that sort of um opportunity to kind of get things wrong and 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 not hide from it and i think it's, it was kind of bizarre to me when i did this that actually the other than when pretty much when you're an ect in my career i haven't had the opportunity to be mentored by someone that wasn't my line manager um, no.
1: Yeah. It's
2: and, that and, and and in the private sector, that that's madness. Like that, yes. you know, you you're you're getting kind of quality assured, you know, by your line man- performance managed by your line manager, but not mentored. Because why would you do that? um And and that really was sort of it was pretty mind blowing to me because because we're so archaic in teaching in general in in our approaches to mentoring and and coaching um so it's really it's really nice to hear that's what I put on the chat I'd quite like to know what that uh oh (laughs) yeah
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hannah can introduces introduce us over email I'm sure yeah Um, because
2: it's really not it's really good to hear that it's happening in that way
4: it's really good you know the first year of doing so this is our third year of doing it our first year really was just getting everyone to do it yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't really bothered about the quality of the coaching they were giving each other and whether they were spotting what we wanted them to spot when they were supporting each other and, you know, in like, you know, when you're watching someone do cold calling, you know, as someone that reads a lot about education and, and had a very clear idea of that in our school, I wasn't, I, I couldn't be precious in that first year that staff were actually picking out what I wanted to you know what I expected to see um so the first year really was just getting everyone to do it and buy into it I suppose and see that it was very low stakes the only the only follow-up they will ever get is me asking why they haven't done it I will never ever say to them why did your um mentor not uh, your coach why did they not pass because so, um, some of the action steps it might be that they wouldn't um they'll say that they haven't achieved it one week if they didn't if they feel they could practice it a bit longer um you know i would never ever say to staff oh i've noticed that you haven't passed your your action step this week can you tell me why like it's very low stakes
1: can i ask what the teacher buy-in was at the start swapping from like kind of full day inserts to kind of little uh tw- was there any like kickback for that like with the, with the that kind of fear of the unknown no. like, oh no that's not what i'm used to or they were happy with the just to go full. they were happy like- because-
4: because again, I pushed that kind of knowing and doing gap. And, and I talked to them about, you know, that that why would you want to sit here for two hours and listen to me click through a PowerPoint when we could do 20 minutes, give you ideas, you go off and do it. Um, Yeah, it was just, again, over-communication really, and, and, and really simplifying things. So yes, I oversee teaching and learning in a high school, but actually like, that's one strategy a year so far I've launched one teaching and learning strategy a year um, so very slow
1: but, it, um, but, it, but it's obviously is it ha- you're seeing a real positive effect from it
4: uh, yeah I, our, our results have gone up um, our, our students are much more engaged so things like the do nows at the beginning of a lesson you know the kids are in and they are thinking hard and writing within minutes maybe one or two minutes i've got videos of it Uh, there's one teacher 30 seconds her lesson had started 30 (laughs) seconds it's it's amazing i like Um, the
1: idea of you at the door with a stopwatch, kind (laughs) of (laughs) like yeah (laughs) who's gonna win this week
4: (laughs) yeah and um you know like cold calling last year you know that the the point of cold calling for us was that okay we've worked on behavior and culture and we've got the beginning of lessons really tight but the kids are still sort of sitting and looking out the window So again, that was no. That was no. um, That was that wasn't me saying. uh, Teachers, your teaching isn't good enough. It's actually we've noticed this about children. What can we do to make the children less passive? I think
1: Um, it's it's nice that you kind of give the theory behind it, and that it's like this is going to have this effect if we do this, and we and everyone's on the same page. We're all going to do it. But there's this safe space where you can make mistakes, and and you guys can discuss that and develop that together. But like exactly. you have, they still have that autonomy. Within yeah. It.
4: and what I do is with our teaching and learning briefings. Like uh, so, so there's like what six or seven and a half term. Um, it's like literally three or four minutes on a Tuesday morning. Um at least one of those in a half term but sometimes two won't be me talking i will ask some members of staff who i've seen using that strategy really well to just uh you know oh sam i saw you were doing this can you just tell everyone about what you were doing and they'll share practice um the strategy that we're um focusing on this year is active observation so i don't know if you've all noticed but they're all teach like a champion strategies um so we've gone hard on that book um and the active observation strategy is about what you're looking for as you go around a lesson and what you're checking for understanding and actually making notes to help inform your teaching. So I've been able to visually share what staff have done. I've taken photos of their clipboards and of their notebooks, obviously with their permission, um, and shared it. I've got a video, I've got videos of staff doing certain strategies. So again, like it's, it's another way of celebrating, um, what they're doing by sharing, it's not always listening to me.
1: I think that's that's really, and I imagine their confidence is building. The more the more you're sharing each other's good practice, yeah, the more so. confident yeah, well, like, they're becoming in
4: it. You know, this is the first year um, th- that people have actually emailed me and said, "Oh, Laura, I um, I did this. Would you know? Would you like a picture of it? You know?" And, and actually, people starting to come forward wanting to share what they're do- doing rather than me begging them, "Please, can I come in with a camera?" Or you know, um, yeah. So again, back to Edwina, like celebrating, I think is so important um, you know, we all love a pat on the back, don't we?
1: I think so. I think we're not, we're not, we're not celebrated enough as teachers, like, and I think we've, we've got to be each other's champions and we've got to support and celebrate each other. And I think that's kind of what makes teaching us teachers and keeps us going essentially, if we're all kind of feeling like it's worthwhile and it's noticed. Yeah. Right, at the end, uh, that's that's the end of my hour and a half. That flew by. Thank you, ladies, for joining me. Um, I really appreciate it. It will be the same time in two weeks' time, hopefully and um, so have a lovely Christmas if I don't see you before and I'm just going to play the news before the end of the show thank you very much
2: thank this you this show
1: is brought to you in partnership with John Katz Educational a leading publisher of books
4: directories educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond have you checked out their latest releases don't miss out visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today happy reading
0: this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the uk's leading provider of sen education and care They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
3: TES Magazine reported on news that Education Secretary Gillian Keegan said that the proposed Schools Bill will not progress in this parliamentary session. The bill itself was originally launched in May this year and covered a range of areas including school attendance, safeguarding and new powers over multi-academy trusts. Ms Keegan spoke at the Commons Education Select Committee, confirming that the Schools Bill will not progress in the third session. She also said her department remained committed to the objectives and would be prioritising some aspects of the bill. Of the aspects of the bill Ms Keegan stated she wanted to focus on, she identified the need for a register to identify and account for children not in schools, as well as helping more faith schools join multi-academy trusts. One area not seen as a priority, however, was the creation of more grammar schools with Ms Keegan stating her strong views that 93% of children will never get to go to one and the belief that the academy structure remains the route to make the biggest difference to the most children the quickest. The Mirror Online carries a story about Labour MP Zara Sultana's proposal to widen the free school meal scheme in primary schools across England. Under the plans all primary pupils would get access to free school meals. The current scheme for universal free school meals ends in year two. The article suggests that under the current plan, around 800,000 children living in poverty miss out on free meals due to the strict eligibility criteria. Ms Sultana will bring forward a bill in the coming week. The MP for Coventry South said it was a major issue when families simply can't afford everyday groceries and that providing meals for school was another strain She went on to point out that both Scottish and Welsh governments have plans to introduce universal free school meals, but accused the government in England of prioritising tax breaks for the wealthiest people. Warwickshire World Online news site reports on the arrival of delegates from around the world to a conference focusing on developing technical education. More than 50 visitors attended the event organised by the British Council at Warwick Trident College. The college is part of the WCG group. Guests arrive from a range of countries in Africa and Asia with delegations including government ministers and education officials. A spokesperson for the WCG said, technical education is one of the key pillars of a successful developing economy. And that the hope was that delegates would take away some insights which will have a positive impact on their country's developments in technical and vocational training. The latest Sunday Times Schools Guide has been released and many local news outlets are reporting on the successes of schools in their surrounding areas. Northern Ireland outlets report that the guide has rated seven secondary schools in the national top 50, calling this a significant achievement in light of the nation's comparatively small population. It was acknowledged that several of the Northern Ireland schools mentioned in the list have been described as highly selective grammar schools with the DUP's Diane Dodds noting that whilst Northern Ireland is punching above its weight, there will always be areas where improvements can be made. She went on to point out that the list as a whole is dominated by expensive fee-paying schools. Finally, Keele University has launched the UK's first law undergraduate degree designed to help tackle the climate crisis. The new course in law with environmental sustainability is the first of its kind in the UK. It has been developed to create legal professionals with a good knowledge of environmental obligations on governments and communities. Professor Alison Brammer, head of the School of Law at Kiel, said, the climate crisis affects everyone and we need legal professionals who understand the issues we face. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Jo Fox.
1: Thank you again for once more for listening and enjoy your evening.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.